quoted for you in my greeting, the title of this message is based on a verse in the Song of Songs, but the message is based on the Gospel reading. In a certain kind of Japanese garden, instead of a big picture overview of everything, the garden invites visitors to look at one part of the garden from many different angles. You see that also if you ever go to the Chinese garden in the Huntington. There are markers in the pavement that are meant to slow you down so you stop. And what happens is that things become revealed to you slowly. For instance, instead of building an observation point right in front of a waterfall, the waterfall would be encountered first as just a sound and then as a glimpse of water through trees and then as splashing water on boulders and the waterfall would be fully experienced but constantly in a state of being partially hidden and partially revealed. In today's gospel text, Jesus is that kind of Messiah. He has gradually revealed himself to his disciples as they've traveled together. He revealed himself in a variety of ways. He healed the sick. He fed thousands with bites and bits. He walked on water. He taught them the secrets of the kingdom and gave them the power to cast out unclean spirits. So now Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? It's Peter who gets it. You are the Messiah, Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet while Peter's assertion gains him a blessing from Jesus, this big reveal doesn't really change anything. In fact, Jesus immediately shushes all his disciples, ordering them not to tell anyone that he is the Messiah. Jesus silenced his disciples because he knew that they did not yet understand what this messianic identity meant. As first century Jews, the disciples would have melded Messiah with military might. Messiah meant political triumph. Messiah meant the reinstatement of Israel as a powerhouse nation to make it great again, as well as a people. The disciples needed to see other panoramas of Messiah before they could announce Jesus' identity to the world. Jesus begins by giving them sneak peeks at what Messiah means. Suffering rejection, trial, torment, crucifixion, death, but then also resurrection. He begins his passion predictions after this event. The disciples had seen how Jesus' divinity was made manifest, plain, clear, in healing the sick, feeding the hungry, calming the seas. And they now needed to see how Jesus' divinity was revealed in quite another way, far more in keeping with what God's plan was, revealed in suffering, sacrifice, 
and not just for Israel, but for all people. This was new and shocking, a new reveal that Jesus offered. Much of God's design to bring us back into the garden would still remain hidden from the hearts and minds of his disciples until another garden, Easter morning, until the risen Christ's visits with his followers, until the ascension, until the gift of the Holy Spirit who would make all of these things finally clear. Are you one of those people, my mother is this way, for years as a kid I noticed that she always, when she picked up a new book, read the last chapter first. <laughs> when questioned about it, she said it saves me an enormous amount of time especially if it's a bad book. Are you one of those people that flip to the back of the book to check out how the ending is before you read your way through to the end? If so, you're not alone. A team of researchers analyzed and quantified the enjoyment that people got out of reading a series of short stories. For, for some of the stories, readers were told the ending at the outset. Other stories, people had to read through for themselves to figure out what the ending was. And the researchers found overwhelmingly that people paid more attention to the details and enjoyed anticipating what they knew was coming more than they did reading blind. It is the same reason that little children love to watch the same movie over and over and over again. I remember I can practically give you the dialogue on Home Alone when our oldest boy was, I don't know, 10 or so. We like to know what's coming. We think it gives us control. Maybe this is one reason Jesus chose to reveal himself a little at a time. We want God to reveal everything up front. Why is this happening to me, Lord? Where am I headed? What exactly do you want me to do? We don't want a hide and reveal life, a subtle garden experience. We want the big picture, a scenic viewpoint, the whole shebang up front in a this is where you are going and how you will get there reveal that takes all of the mystery out of the journey. But that's not how life works. That's not how God works. And it's not how he wants our existence to work either. God remains hidden much of the time. We're going to find that out in our study of the book of Job in our, in our Bible class. God remains hidden, but slowly he reveals himself. and We can see it in this text. The text reveals more about Christ than about Peter. It isn't really Peter's great powers of perception that produce this new insight into God's actions, as Jesus makes clear. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, he says to Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter stands in a long line of strange and foolish choices by God. Shriveled up Abraham and Sarah, that cunning trickster Jacob, 
arrogant Joseph, stuttering Moses, his idol-making younger brother Aaron, another youngest son, David, prophets like Amos, the fig slitter, whatever that is, and even Israel as a whole. But the strangest and most foolish of all, from our point of view, was to become human in Jesus as the Christ, to expose himself to our world for our sake and to suffer and to endure it for us. So the foolishness of God is the power of God to us who are being saved, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. For the word of the cross is folly, dumb, is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus asked this question about what people were saying in order to answer the question what God was thinking. Not because he was consumed by an identity problem, oh gee, who do people say I am? And certainly not because he felt that the crowds would give him any useful information on the topic. What do they know? ABC TV once carried a program entitled Pray TV. Actor John Ritter played the role of an evangelist. This is fiction, by the way. But incredibly, some 22,000 people called local TV stations wanting to pledge financial contributions to his work. These figures were verified by various telephone companies who had monitored and logged the calls. Ducks follow whatever they imprint on. People follow the crowd. Religious issues are not to be decided by public opinion. After all, the crowds would cry crucify him about Jesus. And that much they did get right. As we will hear in next week's gospel lesson, which are the verses following this week's, in next week's we will hear Jesus define what it means to be Messiah in God's scheme of things. He will go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And then as the conclusion of all, be raised from the dead on the third day. And that is what underlies the last bit of today's gospel reading. Jesus says to Peter that he will give him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the power to forgive sins. Forgiveness is the key that opens heaven to us. And we are forgiven because God chose the Messiah, the Christ, to suffer and die innocently before he would rise and conquer. The same power is alluded to at the end of John's gospel when Jesus appears to his gathered followers, not just the 12, but we know it included others too. He appears to them, breathes on them, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
This power is the basis of holy absolution. And it is first given to Peter, not because he is the first authority in the church, but simply because, in a way, we can say he is the first Christian. He is the first to believe and confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. And so he is the first Christian, at least publicly. As we can see from both John 20 and from chapter 18 in this gospel, Matthew, this power is given to the church. And further, it is God's will that the church exercise it publicly through the office of the ministry. When the church, through her ministers, speaks that word of forgiveness, it is God's word, bringing about and applying what Jesus the Messiah has won. And Jesus closes the conversation there at Caesarea Philippi in a way that to our ears seems strange. He strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Why? Isn't telling about the Christ exactly what we're supposed to do? Yes, but all in good time. Once again, in today's gospel text, Jesus is a Messiah who is revealed slowly so that you can see the whole picture, so that you can get it better. He has gradually revealed himself to his disciples as they've traveled together in a variety of ways, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000 and then the 4,000, walking on the water, raising the dead, Lazarus included. He's taught them the secrets of the kingdom and given them the power to cast out unclean spirits, but they did not yet get that he had to die to unleash the power of absolution, to set loose the forgiveness of sins. We all want gain without pain, but that is not the way that it is in the world. Sometimes we too, like those ancient followers of Jesus, are merely babies in faith and not yet ready to be fed with solid food. When the Hebrews wandered in the wilderness for a generation, they were fed and sustained by God's daily gift of manna. Manna literally translates as, what is it? For 40 years, the Israelites ate the ultimate mystery meat. And unlike the stuff in your high school cafeteria, it was indescribably delicious, inexplicably available, unimaginably present for them in just the right amounts. And they ate the mystery. They trusted in the daily presence of the mystery to sustain them. God gave their bread daily, but God did not reveal the entirety of their trip. God sustains us too with the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And sometimes he remains hidden from us. Sometimes his yeses to us seem like no's. Many times it is not for us to see the big picture yet. 
Sometimes we seem to trouble a deaf heaven with our cries and our desires to be put right in God's eyes and to do right in his eyes and to continue in every way to be right in our divine Father's eyes. When it feels that way to us, we have to lay aside those feelings and cling in faith to the word of absolution by which God says we are his we are forgiven. He is our Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And as we trust him, all will be right. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>